Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get in zone. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix Finder, only at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Anyway, how's yes. it going? Ify, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Feeling uh, freshened up, ready to go, ready to talk about tabletop. This is a fun subject. There's so many. This is going to be a very interesting episode. I mean, all our episodes are interesting, but I like that. It's going to have turns and twist cut corner, and, twist and turns, yeah. betrayal. I know. Uh, so Death. And death. <laughs> resurrection. And then we'll wrap it up with a fun talk with our guest, our good friend Emma Fife, who, you know, you can watch her playing tabletop games almost. Uh, yeah, every week on Hyper yeah. RPG, where you and I, you and I played a live tabletop game yeah. uh, for, that was a Valiant, that's mm-hmm. a Valiant Comics. We, Ify and I were on a show. And Valiant we also, Vanquished. yeah, Valiant Vanquished, pretty cool because we were made into comic book characters yeah. and we actually, this is just some nerdificent lore, Ify and I ended up in a Valiant comic. Yeah. So, so that's so certain you know. that I sent to my grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> like, you remember these I used to read? I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. So today we are talking about tabletop games, uh, which is very broad subject, Ify, that we chose. Oh yeah, it's super broad, and I, and really, this is a good time to kind of like really nail this idea of the show and the future of it because I know on past episodes people have been left wanting more and why we didn't cover this or something we might have missed, and really, I think our first pass in a lot of these subjects yeah. are going to be very general, and then we jump in, we zero in like this is a tabletop episode, but I already have a chess episode planned. It's going to be all about chess for all my chess heads who are like, yeah. You know, they just were like, yeah, did you get a checkmate? No, I just heard that. They're going to talk about chess. And I do. I met a professional chess player and uh, I'm going to have her on. Yes, her. Which uh, which I, I, I don't know. Uh, this might be just uh, 
catastrophize because I saw it on like the front page of Reddit, but apparently that's like a big deal, like female chess players and, and the ins and outs and like the separation of genders in chess, which we can talk about with yeah, her be really at that time. But yeah. this is just a general kind of scope of tabletop just to talk about it, talk about some fun stories that happen within it. And just even, you know, if you don't even know what people are saying when they talk about tabletop or when you see Will Wheaton on <laughs> YouTube. Yes. You know, I mean, you sport. literally had a game called Tabletop Games. Yeah, yeah. Or a show. Um, yeah. yeah, so tabletop games are literally games that are played on a table or a flat surface, such as board games, card games, dice games, uh, miniature war games, which we are going to cover heavily. Oh, yeah. Uh, tile-based games. So, And a lot of these can be categorized as like adventure, uh, paper and pencil games, role-playing games, which we're going to get into as probably the most famous role-playing game ever yeah and and pretty much yeah that's that's probably where we're going to zero in the most mostly because as of now tabletop games are synonymous with rpgs and games with heavy rpg elements which is role-playing games but you know there are like other games like yeah uh, Catan, uh you know um dominion was the game i was thinking of dominion yes yes sorry to cut you off you were deep into moving on and i was like i'm not 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 it's okay yeah we'll get into war games which are kind of my favorite but uh let's talk about the history the earliest yeah, let's do known... our deep dive deep dive deep dive we still don't have our sound for i know that. i look i just like repeating deep dive we'll just clip that for next time <laughs> uh the earliest it looks like known tabletop game was a series of 49 small carved painted stones that were actually found at the 5000 year old I think this is Basur Hoyuk burial mound in southeast Turkey. Um, and those are the earliest gaming pieces ever found. Yeah, and similar pieces have been found in Syria and Iraq and seem to point to board games originating in the Fertile Crescent. And other early origin dice games were created by painting a single side of a flat stick. Uh, these sticks would be tossed in unison and the amount of painted side showing would be your roll. Mesopotamian dice were made from a variation of materials, including carved knuckle bones, wood, painted stones, and turtle shell. You know what? This kind of adjacent to this reminds me of cornhole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, like that was... <laughs> Do you know the history of corn? I, this is according at least to my ex who um, religiously. So he's from um, he's from Ohio, which that when dating him, I was exposed to cornhole. I didn't know. I grew up in Southern California. I don't know if it was a big thing or not, yeah. um, but I wasn't aware of it. And then they would like literally the kids in his town would make their own cornholes and paint them that sounds so bad uh so if you don't know what cornhole is it's like um it's like a flat surface um ramp that has a hole in it that you then toss bean bags into and yeah. what my ex told me was that the history of it is that they used to throw corn cobs into outhouses <laughs> I don't know. We might need our researcher to look into that. But yeah. that's uh, the history of. I like, uh, I like that history, though. I think I think I'm down with chuck that. Chuck a corn cob into <laughs> an outhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I learned uh, cornhole from the white improv community that I'm a part of out here. They, they've been showed up at parties and was like, yeah, because yeah, growing. I don't know uh, about you, but growing up in so- so SoCal, our oh, big yeah, thing yeah, was yeah. like. Uh, what was our big thing? I, 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 Nothing. Uh, no, I was going to say beer pong. The, beer, oh, beer pong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the big like party game. I'm aware of, but cornhole seems way more chill, like a backyard barbecue, throw a little sack into a hole. Throw a corn cob into yeah, yeah. a toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But let's uh, jump down to 
this timeline. So uh, thanks to our researchers, we have a brief timeline of game history, and it starts in 3500 BCE with Sine. It, it's S-N-E-T, which is either Senate or Sine. I'm fancy, so I'm going to call it Sine. It's discovered in the pre-dynastic and first dynasty burials of Egypt. Senate is believed to be the world's oldest board game, meaning game of passing. Sine consisted of a grid of 30 squares arranged in three rows of 10 and two sets of pawns. Though the exact rules are the source of much debate, a copy of the game was found buried with Tutankhamun, which is funny because I feel like Hmm. that's tabletop to a T, which is arguing over what the rules actually are. Yeah. (laughs) He had a lot of things buried with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All of his animals and I think like friends. Also that thing. You always keep that thing (laughs) I know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, moving on to 1400 BCE. We see dice, actually. So Sophocles claimed that Palamedes uh, invented dice in about 1400 BCE. And sure enough, they found cubical stones and clay dice during that period. But in truth, it's possible that dice were actually developed independently by many ancient cultures around the world. I believe that. Did you know that alcohol was also developed independently around major cultures. I took a history of, uh, this was in my deep weeb phase uh, when I was in uh, community college, but I took, it was Japanese, but I also took like the history of Japan. And they were talking about how Korea and Japan and almost every country found alcohol on their own. So there had to be that one weird guy (laughs) in every culture who was like, let's taste this rotten juice. (laughs) (laughs) It might also be, I mean, I'm sure someone will correct us, but I imagine also it was just like their limited resources where like if something did go wrong or it was like fermented, it was like, we don't have the resources to just throw this away. Yeah. No, that sounds like a very educated guess. And then (laughs) then eventually what ended up happening was that the water supply was so bad that they just ended up having to drink uh, alcohol, which is something we should cover. We should cover nerds getting drunk. Well, well, we should definitely cover um, the science behind. Not even that, but remember when everybody was making their own beer, like like that. <laughs> still, that was, yeah, I mean, still, yeah. And I feel people it's were half the improv about community. That. Like it was like, oh man, I made my own beer. <laughs> Microbrewing. Um, well, let's dip over to 200 BCE for a game that sounds. Kind of familiar. Yeah. Snakes and Ladders. I love it. I wish they had kept that name. (laughs) Snakes and Ladders originated in India as a game based on morality, where the progression up the board was to teach children about good and evil, with climbing up ladders representing good and sliding down snakes representing evil. During the British rule of India, the game made its way back to the shores and it was taken to the U.S. as Shoots and Ladders in 1943 by Milton Bradley. Oh, I should have been snakes. Look, that, that's gentrification 101 right there. <laughs> they went and t- was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to take the snakes out. We're going to add some shoots. <laughs> we're we're going to move on to the first board game millionaire. This is one of the most fascinating stories that we encountered coming across this topic. In 1935, we got Monopoly. And a lot of people wrongly credit Charles Darrow as being the sole designer. And what actually happened is Charles and his wife, Esther, actually went in 1932 to the home of his friend, who was a Philadelphia businessman named Charles Todd and his wife, Olive. So he went uh, over to their place and they played a real estate board game that they had recently learned. And they became fascinated by it and... 
Charles Todd, his friend, made the Daros a set of their own. And then the other Charles, so many Charles in this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Charles Darrow, listen to this, because this is where the sneaky that, that part gets That sounds like in. a character from Downton Abbey, by the way. Charles Darrow. Charles Darrow. I'm Charles Darrow, and I've made some board games for you. Uh, also, Charles Todd. I got to say, on paper, sounds hella whack. Uh, you know, it was like, hey, on paper, it sounds really whack. Like, to be like... Hey, you guys want to play a real estate board game? I'm like, nah, son, let's bring out the Magic the Gathering. Why are you bringing this trash? Wait, when was Prohibition? Let me see if they were (laughs) bored. Very good question. Does this line up? Um, Let me see if they were bored with their lives. No. Okay, listen, because this Charles Darrow is sneaky as hell. So he asked Charles Todd for like a list of the rules. And Charles Todd was like, I've never made them. I guess I should sit down and write them. So in fact, the rules to the game had been invented in Washington, D.C. in 1903 by Elizabeth Maggie. Wow. But she's often forgotten in this story. She's the one that created the rules for Monopoly. And Charles Darrow, in his... uh, I mean, I guess he might be respected, but in his uh, sneaky way, he sold the version of the game to Parker Brothers and it became a phenomenal success. And my girl, Elizabeth Maggie, she was forgotten. That's just wild. But also, I'm sure there's it made him millions. Yeah, it made him millions. Well, did you know that famous Amos, the black guy on the actual cookie? doesn't own the cookie like you he was like they just snapped a picture and we're like you look well no they paid him like a like trash amount of money and then made millions off of it and then he was on uh shark tank making his own cookies brand did he get it i I think so you don't bring famous amos on just to deny him (laughs) that would be oh and to answer your question the prohibition era was from 1920 to 1933 so they're they're just right right out that's why they yeah that's where the this came from but um okay so it looks like one journalist uh after another asked him how he managed how charles darrow managed to invent monopoly out of thin air and he said uh it's a freak that's what he told Germantown Bulletin, uh, Philadelphia paper. Entirely unexpected and illogical, in quotes, that I stole this idea from somebody else. Yeah, I know. That's that's so funny. Like, this is a time before Twitter where someone would just retweet that and be like, nah, this is a weak explanation. Yeah. He probably stole that. Uh, from Elizabeth Maggie. Uh, but that's our, I think you had a trivia on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was about Monopoly in general. Basically, uh, humanitarian groups sent uh, escape kits disguised as Monopoly <gasps> games to the Allied prisoner of war during uh, World War II, which also says something nice about the soldiers keeping them prisoners. Like, all right, we, we don't want to be monsters. Let's let them play Monopoly, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this game that, like, never ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that'll keep them occupied while we keep them prisoner. But that was real cool. Uh, but... You know, we, we're not here to talk about your Monopoly sorries, your your bobbles. Don't wake daddies. Don't wake daddies. We're, <laughs> we're here to talk about, you know, RPGs. So, like, Let's we're going to dip it. into the history of RPGs. So, <laughs> the exact moment when the RPG was born is debatable, particularly as the hobby of wargaming, which was a big influence on early role players, had been around in some form or another for hundreds of years. However, the first instance of what people today would recognize as a modern RPG came into being with the development of the tabletop game, 
Dungeons and Dragons. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, 1974. It actually came in a brown box with a wood grain pattern. It was $10, which was a lot at the time. That's about oh, yeah. $50. So it was like the most expensive tabletop game. It, it is still, I mean, it's not, if you get your group to chip in, it's not super expensive. But it is when you consider like a DM needs his DM guide, a monster manual. The player needs player's handbooks. I mean, Lots of people, we're not saying this is the way to go, but a lot of people have been downloading the PDFs of it. But really, like, Magic has been finding ways, too, where you can actually look up your character sheet and download it for free from their website. The startup cost is heavy if you're trying to go all out because you need the mats. The mats, the, like, it's, like, usually a two-sided mat where it's, like, hexagonal or, cu- uh, I want to say cubic, but it's not cubic. It's, like, uh, squares. And you'll have that. You need your small figures. Every player needs to pick out a figure. Lots of times you got to buy the paint to paint that figure. Yeah. But really, you could just do it without any of that, with all your imagination. Or even for if you want to be more forward thinking, there's a lot of apps and programs you can use now where you can like digitally have in your characters and you can have a digital map. It's real cool. There's lots of ways to go about it. But really, all you need is a pen, pencil, paper, your imagination. Your imagination. Yeah, yeah, good improv skills. Yes, Andine. Yeah. I think we should talk about miniatures just a little bit. So oh, yeah. those are essentially your game pieces. Uh, with a tabletop war game, you often play with miniatures and you, you're moving them across a battlefield based on a set of rules and instructions. You're like making tactile choices and you're you're choosing the composition of your own army and then you're like fighting out over a tabletop. And the miniatures are often painted by hand, most likely by yourself. And I feel like that's a whole other side. Like people have made like a living by painting commissions for miniatures. And a lot of people I feel take a lot of pride and enjoyment in this actual aspect of the game like that's an entire part of a lot of these war games yeah but before we dip too deep in there let's talk about dungeons and dragon it was originally designed by gary gygax and dave arneson who both aren't with us anymore uh thank you for everything you did Uh, and it was published in 1974 by tactical studies rules inc then the game has been published by wizard of the coast uh, which is a subsidiary of hasbro which is like the you know, one of the main hubs of tabletop because they also produce Magic the Gathering. Uh, and it was derived from miniature war games, as we said earlier, with a variation of chainmail serving as the initial rule system. Uh, D&D's publication is commonly recognized as the beginning of modern role playing, as we said. As a matter of fact. We want to say chainmail was the popular game that was like right before this yeah. one. Yeah. So, yeah. Chainmail was a medieval miniature war game created by... Gary Gygax and Jeff Parent. Gygax developed the core medieval system of the game by expanding on rules authored by his fellow Lake Geneva Tactical Studies Association member, Parent. A hobby shop owner with whom he had become friendly, Gaiden Games, released the first edition of Chainmail in 1971 as its first miniature war game and one of its three debut products. So Chainmail was a <laughs> war game. Then from there, they created D&D, and then it was all And then history. from there, they ruined children's minds with their demonic worship. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Dungeon and Dragons was accused of fostering demon worship and mm-hmm. a belief in witchcraft and magic. And By politicians and moms and dads. Yeah, because there was a real, uh, this was an era of like the devil scare, where like, you know, metal music was turning your kids to the devil, and they were trying to find like all these different things to basically use Use fear to drive people. Uh, sound familiar? Anyway. 
Yeah, and my uh, my family's very Catholic, and I know that my aunt uh, wouldn't let my cousin read Harry Potter. Still doesn't. I don't yeah. know if that's he's allowed why... to visit the Wizarding World, but it's seen as witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I never got into. I got into tabletop right around when I started working with Geek and Sundry. I, I did some Dungeons and Dragons a little bit before that, but that's when I really jumped into the world, uh, which is hard to, you know, to avoid when you work for the same company that produces tabletop. But yeah, when I grew up, I went to a Catholic school, so they were always Same. like they they said we couldn't listen to K Rock because uh, oh my god, yeah. I couldn't listen to Kiss FM. Yeah. If you had to listen to uh, the oldies radio, K Earth one hundred and one, oh I wasn't allowed to listen to. I had to listen to Sinatra, and I have a a, a deep love for music from the nineteen forties and fifties. Uh, another thing that I couldn't list, uh, watch was The Exorcist until I was like out of the house because oh, of that. But oh. yeah. Well, let's talk about the history of playing cards. Uh, for a symbol of international harmony and cross-cultural cooperation, look no further than the nearest pack of cards. Playing cards in their present form are the results of ideas and refinements from the last eight countries and four continents mm -hmm. over the course of 1,200 years. The concept and the technology to make the paper they are printed on probably originated in China around the end of the first millennium. During the Tang Dynasty of the 9th century AD, a... Princess To Shang is said to have played the leaf game. This is probably a paper form of dominoes rather than true cards, but a hundred years later, the Emperor Mu Sung is recorded as shuffling and dealing the real thing. Yeah, and cards actually didn't arrive until Europe until the mid-14th century, um, either in Islamic Spain or as a result of trade between the uh, Mamluks, Mamluks, Mamluks of Egypt and Italy. So by this time, they were already in something like their current form that we have today. Uh, so it's reasonable to assume that the basic mechanics of cards that we still use, like the four suit system and royalty and perhaps even like the, the concept of like taking tricks and stuff, were either established in India or the Middle East. But yeah, that, it wasn't long before cards were influenced also by tabletop games like D&D, which created uh, the cardboard crack game known as Magic the Gathering. Your, uh, your home in love. Oh my gosh, I've spent so much money. I think we it. talked about, but Mark Ellis, who was on our yeah. um, our spoiler, spoiler review for Infinity War, so I'm not kidding, Iffy, at his mom's house, he still has all of his Magic the Gathering packs. Some of them are worth $3,000. Oh yeah. No, $3,000 to $5,000 for some of his the stuff that he has. Yeah, so just to get people... So Magic was actually uh, created sooner than we actually... Think uh, so. Magic was first published in 1993 by Wizards of the Coast. Magic was the first trading card game created, and it continues to thrive with approximately 20 million players as of 2015. Magic can be played by two or more players in various formats, which fall into two categories: constructed and limited. Limited formats include players building a deck spontaneously out of a pool of random cards with a minimum deck size of 40 cards. In constructed, players created decks from cards they own, usually 60 cards, with no more than four of any given Magic card. Magic is played in person with printed cards or using a deck of virtual cards through the internet-based Magic the Gathering online or on smartphone or tablet or through other programs because Magic has spun off and done other games like mm -hmm. Magic Arena, Magic Origins, and uh, but Magic the Gathering online is the closest um, online proxy to the actual game because it's just been going on for so long and the cards actually hold value the same way. I didn't really get into Magic. I 100% was extremely into Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z, the trading card games. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know someone else who's also super into those anime games. 
our guest, Emma Fife, and she's going to be joining us right after the break. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Get in AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. And we are back, and we are joined here with our good friend. Uh, you've seen her on Collider, on Hyper RPG. She is a broadcaster, a podcast host, a entertainer of all sorts. Our friend Emma Fife. Thanks hey, for joining. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for popping by. You know, this uh, is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. So. Were you literally playing an RPG earlier, or I, yesterday you were? I was playing a couple yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was not playing an RPG earlier. I was recording some content uh, that revolves around the series My Hero Academia because I'm uh-huh. super yeah, into anime. the anime world yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, I was in I was doing two RPGs yesterday, a Digimon RPG and also a uh, Jeopardy RPG. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> oh man, yeah. well let's talk about the evolution of RPG just to really, because you know, a lot of people think RPGs, they think Dungeons and Dragons, but role-playing games take several forms. The two main ones are tabletop, which are the direct descendants of the original Dungeons and Dragons and video games, which have also evolved, albeit along a different path. From tabletop Dungeons and Dragons, this shared ancestry to its root of many of the tropes that have come to define them to this day, yet despite the common ancestor, there's usually been a great difference between how tabletop and video games RPG play, and as such of the two types of the game have, by necessity, evolved along the separate path in many ways, each adapting to different technology in different markets. Yeah, We're going to forget about the video game RPGs because well, that's for our video games. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I will say, I just want to say on the side note, I am not as big of a fan. I don't like doing quests and things. For, <laughs> I just want to fight. Wait, wait, were you, wait, Emma, you were on our Krillina episode where we played, um, yes, was it Xenoverse? I was, we were playing Dragon yeah. Ball Xenoverse. Yeah, yes. we were playing Xenoverse and the whole time I'm like, I just want to fight people. See, I don't want to go on these quests. See, it's interesting 
interesting to me because I think that what initially attracted me to tabletop RPGs were video game RPGs yeah. because I I played video games from the time I was a very very little kid and when Final Fantasy 7 came out in 1997 oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. was the first like JRPG so Japanese developed mm-hmm. RPG yeah. that I had ever played and it was this very heavily story based game and right. that was what I always had wanted out of the video games that I was playing. I mean, my mom always jokes that when my brother and I were growing up, it, she never had to fight with us to go play outside because, you know, we'd sit inside and we'd play Sonic the Hedgehog for a couple hours and then yeah. we'd go, okay, we're going to go outside now and play Sonic the Hedgehog in real life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think mine, the two that I, fe- that I loved so much were Super Mario 64 and Silent Hill. Sure. I would. I don't even know if those are considered. I know Super Mario probably is. I mean, because you have like on a quest to like. Sol- yeah, get I mean, a- the, in, in certain you know editions of Super Mario, certainly Super Mario RPG, RPG. and Paper Mario, Paper Mario are more sort of considered to be role playing games. I think when it comes to video games, typically, and 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 this is prevalent in tabletop role playing games as well. There has to be this element of. Uh, leveling up. So yeah. basically by participating in this story and going on all of these quests, you are gaining experience points that then allows your character I don't want to do homework. I have to do that in my real <laughs> life. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, let's let's uh, talk about our tabletop Yeah, yeah the tabletop RPGs. Just like you heard uh, me say earlier, the, a lot of RPGs kind of stem from the same idea of Dungeons & Dragons where you build out a character using different stats and there are so many different systems and when we refer to systems it's basically the heart and soul of the rpg so you know a lot of games can be a different story than dungeons and dragon it can be more sci-fi than than fantasy it can be more present day than like a simulated medieval time mm-hmm. but the if it used a dungeon and dragon system then it uses that same kind of setup using the 20-sided die for all the same similar stats. But then you have other systems like uh, for Valiant Vanquish, we used a, a different system. Uh, the system we used, instead of using a D20 roll for almost every action, we would use a leveled up dice in it system. Sure. So like your strongest ability, you would use a D12 versus your weakest one where you use or your, a D3. Yeah. Or like or your charisma might be like a D6. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And then you would just roll the, you know, assigned die versus like in D&D, if you have high charisma, then you might have a modifier where it's like plus four, plus three to your roll, but you're still rolling a D20. So, I did want to go back a little bit and talk about because uh, I had tweeted out from our account about, you know, asking people what some of their favorites were. We had so many people write us about Warhammer 40K. Oh, yeah. Um, which that was uh, created by Rick Priestley that back in 1987, actually, mm-hmm. by Games Workshop. Uh, it's another tabletop war game. Again, it's a one that has miniatures that you choose a composition of your army and then you're fighting same thing people are designing and painting their mm-hmm. miniatures, which I actually was never, our friend Joe Starr is super into that yeah. and I'm, I'm suck I at it. Never, <laughs> okay, so this is the funny thing is I never really got into Warhammer, but I was super aware of its existence because uh, I used to go to this comic book and game shop in uh, Newtown, Connecticut called Cave Comics and they had 
Warhammer miniatures on one side, and mm-hmm. then they had the D and D miniatures on the other yeah. one. And mm-hmm. it was, and I would always go look at the Warhammer miniatures, and I felt like I couldn't buy the Warhammer miniatures to be my D and D character miniatures because it was a different game. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, you don't cross the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't do Family Guy and Simpsons. Yeah. Well, fun fact: uh, the writer H. G. Wells invented the concept of recreational war games, the kind you experience in games like Warhammer and yeah. games which are brought, bought and enjoyed by a wider population, not just military professionals. But it, yeah, Warhammer was cool in the sense that you built this army. It was super expensive. It's it's probably yeah. one of the because most expensive Warhammer is and, ta- and time consuming and and, yeah. and is very dependent on actually having maps and miniatures. Unlike if you were talking about earlier how. Dungeons and Dragons, yes, you can have maps and miniatures, but it's not actually necessary yeah. for playing the game. And you need multiple miniatures for Warhammer. Yeah. You're building an army to play out this war game. And so that's where the kind of like painting and miniature design comes in because as an army, you choose colors that you paint all of your fi- figures with and you kind of build it out that way. And then lots of times you're doing orcs, so you got to get the color of the orc skin. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild. And elves and yeah. Yeah. So, Emma, what was your, like, first introduction, I guess? (laughs) So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was really into uh, video game RPGs, and I had a friend who I knew from, like, an acting camp program, and she also was really into anime and video games, and her dad had been super into Dungeons & Dragons from the very, very beginning, and it was in the early days of eBay being a thing. So this this was around like 1998, 99. And it was right before third edition of Dungeons and Dragons came out because that didn't come out, I think, till 2000. So he had put bids on a bunch of uh, uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons or AD&D second edition books like character, uh, the player manuals and uh, the DM's guide, the bestiary uh, and modules, because that's that's one of the things is it, it to make tabletop role-playing games a little bit easier and more accessible for people who are daunted by putting everything together themselves. They do actually sell modules, which are basically these pre-written little kits of, uh, okay, so this is what this adventure is going to be. Here's all the creatures they're going to come across. These are the non-player characters or NPCs that can be either helpful or a hindrance, sometimes depending on how the characters roll. Uh, And so, yeah, my friend Cassie, her dad, Chris, was he had gotten all of this Dungeons & Dragons material and he didn't really have a group of friends that was as reliable to play with as, you know, a group of teenage girls. <laughs> so I, it, yeah, so he he basically asked us if we wanted to oh, play so cool. Dungeons and Dragons and learn how to do it. And I had been so fascinated by the concept because, again, I used to always play these video games in We'd go outside and play video games in real life. Mm -hmm. So to me, this was the opportunity to create a character and tell these stories in a new way that I previously was just kind of like playing make-believe with my brother and my neighbors. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah, we we, uh, started our first campaign of Dungeons & Dragons. And it kind of has moved on to what you do now with your Star Wars show. Because I know that somebody had responded in that tweet 
um, with the Star Wars RPG that they play. Is that the one that you guys play yes, on the yeah, stream? Yes, yeah, we do. We play uh, on the Star Wars RPG that I do over at Hyper RPG. Uh, it, I do a show called Pencils and Parsecs, and we play the Fantasy Flight Edge of the Empire Edge role-playing of the Empire. system. Yeah. yeah. So Fantasy Flight has been the publisher of Star Wars role-playing games since 2012. Prior to that, there were a couple other uh, companies that published Star Wars role-playing games. So the first one was uh, West End Games, which was just Star Wars, the role-playing game. That system was eventually retooled to be just a generic space opera RPG, Mm -hmm. probably when West End Games lost the uh, rights to Star Wars, uh, which then went to Wizards of the Coast. So the Wizards of the Coast, uh, in both of these systems, used actually numbered dice. I think the West End Games used mostly like a D6 system, so the same kind of dice that you would find in pretty much any board game. Yeah. And then uh, I've never played the Wizards of the Coast one, but Wizards of the Coast tends to use that D20 system. So it's probably a little bit more reminiscent of Dungeons and Dragons. But the thing that's really cool about the Fantasy Flight games is, as you were mentioning with the Valiant Vanquished, it's not a D20 system. There's not even numbers involved in their role-playing system at all. It's all just dice with symbols. And so certain symbols cancel each other out. And depending on how skilled your character is at a thing, it just affects the number of kind of good dice that you get to roll against the bad dice. And then if you have skill ranks, there's like a leveled up version of the good dice that's basically a proficiency dice that's like, yay, I'm good at this thing. And so then you roll that dice. It, it, it's, it's It sounds way more complicated than it is. Like once you have played it and rolled those dice a few times, you learn it really, really fast. And the thing that's really fun about it is that you can succeed at a role. So let's say that, you know, the character that I play on Pencils and Parsecs, um, her name is Kilara Faye. She is the captain of our our ship, the Yojimbo and our little crew. And she's not very good at fighting, but damn, is she charming. She's uh, she's good at talking her way in and out of situations. So let's say that I'm making... I mean, that's so much required. I oh, feel yeah. like with... It's so... To me, what I was going to say is so fascinating that this has become so popular, like this style of RPG, because it requires a level of storytelling and yes and sure. and collaboration with other people and like... It involves some type of like talent to be able to, I feel like, get with at least with this type of what we're talking about, this type of RPG in order to get your character, you know, their charisma or whatever in order for them to live is like it requires so much storytelling. <laughs> yeah. And um and yeah, like, yeah, I have a I find that playing characters that are more, you know, the kind of talker characters or even some other kind of support character, there is something really fun in that challenge of when you do find yourself in a combat situation and go, okay, this is not my forte. What am I going to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the interesting things with coming into like RPGs from like a video game standpoint, where I feel like in video games, you're usually always fighting your yeah. way out and always able to where, and I feel like, you know, the, the exception to the rule would be games like Fallout sure. and Skyrim, which are, basically built almost very similar i would say they're built on a dungeons and dragons system since there's like charisma sure. checks and yeah. stuff like that yeah you get that a little bit in uh like some of the star wars games too like knights of the old republic yeah. and the mmo or multi massive multiplayer mm-hmm. online yeah. Uh, yeah. sequel which is just the old republic yeah uh, but, you know, you have that option where it's like, yeah, you can build a character around just talking your way yeah. through things, not yeah. battling. But sometimes you can't avoid it. And now you have to use your wits because, you know, 
everything is so linear, I think, with a lot of video games because yes. you are held down by the technology or the engine that the game has built Absolutely. for you to have the combat. Whereas, like, you know, there's been lots of games where we've accidentally one shot a whole room of enemies because, like, we had a, uh, like, a wizard or a mage who, like, turned the ground into ice spikes and then the, the DM uh, was like, well, they're all dead because yep. I didn't realize that they're in a puddle of water. Sure. So it just... And, and that is the beauty of tabletop role-playing games is, as you say, if you are not limited by a game engine and what the game engine has been pre-programmed to do, mm -hmm. it is just whatever your imagination can come up with. And and Danny brings up the idea of improv. It's a lot of yes anding. And so, in my opinion, a good GM will go... Okay. And oh my exactly god. Exactly what happened. Zach who was Zach who was on our Twitch uh episode, he was our GM for Iffy and I's show. Yeah. Um which is a game master. So they essentially act as like the referee, the narrator. They're kind of like they oversee uh and often try to kill you and Zach's yeah. uh I was very disappointed. I GM'd a couple, uh, sometimes on Pencils and Parsecs, we'll do side stories mm -hmm. because, you know, in, in regular Star Wars canon, you're getting these side stories with Rogue oh, yeah. One and the, the young Han Solo movie. So we, we also do them and we have players GM those episodes. So like Hector Navarro, who I know was on your show, GM'd uh -huh. one of them. Uh, Joe Starr, who we mentioned earlier on this show, GM'd an episode and I've GM'd twice now. And I was uh, a little disappointed that uh, nobody died. Well, yeah. what is that? I just think it's such a huge undertaking to GM. Like, can you talk about what that's like to kind of be the leader in an yeah, RPG? I mean, I think for me, I actually benefit a lot from the fact that I have played a lot of as video game RPGs. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, obviously, yes, yes, I have played as a player a lot, and we've been doing Pencils and Parsecs for about a year and a half now, so I feel very, very comfortable with that Edge of the Empire system. Yeah, and just to clarify, Pencils and Parsecs is a live show, so yeah. you can watch Emma and her castmates playing this game live, yep. so they're storytelling live, they're like having these actions of their characters. It, yeah, I wanna touch on that too, because you know, I am uh, subscribed to the D&D &D subreddit, and that's always interesting because you get to hear yeah. real people complain and talk about their own campaigns that yeah. they're having with their friends, and there seems to be like a debate, and I think it's a balance of both these things, where you know there's generally two types of DMs. There's the DM who wants to work to tell the best story, but then you have some DMs who are like playing against the players, mm -hmm. and there's a huge debate whether or not you want to do that. And I think you know there's something about the mix of the two because you also yes. don't want to be a pushover GM where it's just easy, and mm -hmm. you're, you're just because you're like this will tell the best story, but you also don't want to make it grueling for the players where it's just so challenging when they're trying to. Zach, also I felt would do yeah. that. I hated right. it, <laughs> but I was uh, gonna say one time I did accidentally. Um, I just was like I walked somewhere, and he was like, "You were in a car." Yeah. <laughs> So I like stepped out of a moving vehicle. My yeah. character did. I, I feel that Bert Jennings, who is RGM for Pencils and Parsecs, he is great. And he really does strike that good balance of he is working with the players to tell a compelling story, but he's not going to make it easy oh, yeah. for us. And sometimes that's in the form of we do encounter enemies that are extremely difficult to overcome and we have to resort to extreme measures to do it. I know that my character personally has taken some very extreme measures to overcome foes, but a lot of the time it is, uh, you know, emotional obstacles as well. I, th I think that's one of the things that's 
so fun is is everyone's creating and and this goes for all role playing games you have the opportunity to create these characters and these backstories and you know you send the GM information about what has happened to your character in the past and what made them who they are as a person and then when the game master or dungeon master however you're referring to them as brings those elements in it's so so oh, satisfying yeah. as a player uh and so you know for me when i've gm'd before it's it's again number one being really really familiar with the role-playing system uh, i think that it does help to have been a player uh and also having a real love of video games and the idea of okay well in order to make this thing happen you need to do this action to trigger it and whatnot and so i just basically create a handful of scenarios and go, well, any of these things could happen based on how the players attempt to approach this challenge that they need to overcome. All of the paths ultimately for me lead to the same general conclusion, but I mean, you really think on your feet. It 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 it, it takes a lot of improvisation. It so does. I yeah. I had created this character who I had intended for them to meet in this medical research facility that these characters were in. They were on this rescue mission. And again, we are doing the show live on Twitch for an audience. And we have basically a three-hour time period in which to do it. Our sessions tend to last about two and a half hours. And so I was at that you know, two hour and 20, maybe 30 minute mark. And I went, I'm not going to get a chance to do this to the character. I'll just scrap him. Uh, And then as we were wrapping up the session, I went, oh, wait, I'm going to have these guys meet him at the very end and end on a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, that's that's (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's it's really fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, and I had a chance to DM for the Black Panther RPG. And it really is funny how it flips where like, I don't know, as a player, sometimes it feels like you've been gone a minute. But as a DM, time goes by so So fast fast. because you're just kind of you're building the goalpost and you're pulling it back. And it's easy to understand why most typical uh, RPG tabletop RPG games can last four or five hours. Oh, totally. Do. I don't want to stay on RPGs too long because I know there's some tabletop heads yes, who are totally. gripping. They're just like, it's They're not like, just We're it. We're tired of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Uh, so we'll jump onto some of these games that s- some people tweeted at us. And I was surprised. A few of these I've actually played. Like one of them, have you guys ever played um, Mysterium? No. So Mysterium's a really fun game. It's set in the 1920s. Uh, I'll just read like the blurb and then tell you yeah, what it is. Yeah, I feel like I've heard yeah. of this before. So in the 1920s, Mr. Mac McDowell, a gifted astrologist, immediately detected a supernatural being upon entering his new house in Scotland. He gathered eminent mediums of his time for an extraordinary seance, and they all have seven hours to contact the ghost and investigate any clues that can provide to unlock an old mystery so and then it's like unable to talk an amnesiac ghost communicates with the mediums through visions which are represented in this in the game by illustrated cards the mediums must decipher the images uh to help the ghost remember how he was murdered who did the crime where did it take place which weapon caused the death the more mediums cooperate and guess well the easier it is to catch the culprit so this one is really fun so basically one player is the ghost and it's almost like a cool version of charades so yeah. one player's a ghost all the other players are these mediums and you're trying to like like they said you're trying to find out the murderer the murder weapon in the place they were murdered mm. in the house and so you have a board with all these different places in the house and everyone is ex- assigned a different murderer a different place and a different weapon and you're trying to help these players with these art cards now i read that 
before cracking it open and I chose to be the ghost and I was like, oh, this shouldn't be too rough. But these art cards are very abstract. Like it's, it's, it really doesn't show you anything. So you have to use clues like, I'm trying to see if they have any pictures of the art cards. Like they're very like, it's like a like flower and a and a ring and like it looks nothing like it so you'll have to do things where like because you can give them any number like there's a number of cards you can give them so like sometimes i'll give them all red cards because it took place with uh someone who murdered them had red hair and you have to do tricks mm. like that so it's very complicated those are like tabletop board games that i feel blend the like yeah heavy nerd stuff like D. But also, like, it's not something that, you know, grandma's going to pop out. Like, it's no, another one like that, that our friends, uh, Christopher Smith Bryant and Ryan Leslie Fisher have every month. They have a werewolf party. It is the most fun <laughs> game ever. I love it. For anyone that hasn't played werewolf, it's very similar to that iffy where you have, I think it's four maybe werewolves, four or five werewolves, and everyone else is kind of like a villager, and everyone has to put their head down so you don't know, and people are ratting each other out, and then there's like, oh, there's so many cool characters in it, and like they just really get into it, and then you see friends turn on each other. It is, oh, I highly recommend it. It is just so much. I always thought like, man, I don't know, like gonna go play a game, and it is like the most fun game, especially if you're good at line. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, we're, we're going to get into some more of our favorite games and ones if you're a beginner, ones that you, you want to check out right after this. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Get in zone, auto zone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. so much fun you know what i've killed a couple of people there were a couple of times i i fooled people i was also like a someone's gonna use that sound bite 
and that's gonna I've be killed people. <laughs> I've killed people. Just that and that's gonna like. be your legacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what are some other ones, uh, if I'll start with you, that you would recommend to people either just starting out yeah. or ones, you know, that might not be RPGs that are just Yeah, I think t- the perfect one that's for someone just starting out, really trying to dip their foot into tabletop is Star Realms. It's mm. a it's it's like twenty bucks for a deck that's big enough for two players. And if you get real like gung-ho about it someone else can buy a deck for 20 bucks and you can use two decks to make it a four-player game oh, damn. but it's a very similar deck building game like dominion and it's very simple it's a it, i think it's on a, just a sheet of paper that kind of teaches you uh how to play it but it's easy to learn difficult to master and it's and it's fun because it's just a deck of cards You'll have um you'll have a buying space. So basically, the way the game works is you have life, and then you have currency that you get from the cards you draw, and you use the currency that you get from the cards you draw to uh, buy other cards from the middle of the um of the field. We'll say, and you use those cards that to either attack or to get more currency to buy other cards. And there's different factions within those cards that kind of combo together. Yeah. And what's cool about it is you're balancing your ability to attack versus your ability to buy cards. Because, you know, obviously the more cards you do that do damage, they might not be able to afford you stronger cards that may be more expensive. It's a very fun game, very easy to learn, and it's super cheap, very easy entry. The game, I think, the other side of the rules is the play mat too. Highly recommend if you're looking for just a nice, fun deck building game that that'll be good. If you're also into trying it out but don't really want to play it, they actually have a free app on the App Store um, on I think both Android and Apple. Look up Star Realms. You can try the game out for free just with the app, and then buy the deck of cards on Amazon for twenty bucks. Mm. Another fun uh, game that I like to play is Super Fight. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Super a Fight's lot of us really have fun. played. Um, I remember they had a Super Fight. Normally they have something set up at like the cons and stuff yeah, where oh you yeah. play. They'll pull in. You and I played, didn't we? If oh yeah, yeah. So Super Fight is basically it's kind of like a card game. Like you're given cards where you have to fight as this like character. So the ones I'm looking at now are Abraham Lincoln riding a Segway with a long metal claw. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very fun game. It's like a it's it's a party game that you can play. Uh, you draw a character and an yep. ability, yeah. and then you're a, uh, the person next to you does the same thing, and you argue to the rest of the players why your why character you should, win yeah. in the yeah. fight. Yeah. You can and, be absurd as hell. Yeah. yeah. It's basically like a cool, more adult apples to apples. Sure. It is. Yeah, yeah but it, again, it relies on your wit and mm-hmm. improv, I feel like, yeah. to oh, yeah. be able, your charisma. It's just so fascinating to me that it's like, <laughs> it relies so much on you like being able to win people over oh, with yeah. your storytelling slash arguing abilities. Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. No, I uh, I love Super Fight. And there's all kinds of expansion decks, too. Yeah. So it's like, if you're really into anime, there are <laughs> anime Super Fight decks. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a very good time. I think uh, in terms of if you did want to get into tabletop role playing and are intimidated by the many, many dice involved in playing Dungeons and Dragons, which is also another cost of it, uh, there's a really great uh, role-playing system, which is called Feng Shui. It's by Atlas Games. You can actually download all of the stuff for it. And the the concept behind it, it is, is it is an action movie RPG. You only need six-sided dice to play. So just go That's open. Convenient. Yeah, just go open uh, any of your, your 
wake daddy. Yeah, go, no, I'm just go kidding. I don't know if he had any. Don't wake daddy. Uh, crackers in my bed. Uh, you know, all those good ones. I'm going to go on eBay and order that right don't now. Wake daddy. Do they still I, have don't I, wake daddy? I like, died when you mentioned that. Yeah. I know she was I rem- laughing. On I remember side. it so well. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's really fun. And, and on there they have uh, different modules you can download. There's like a two-hour starter pack. There's a 20-minute just like quick game and and it's designed for just everything to be super fast they have all the character sheets for you on there so it gives you whatever little like modifiers you have but literally it's just like constantly rolling d6 you're you're making up your attacks again it's it's all that idea of collaboratively telling a story yeah yeah, rather than focusing on doing a lot of math (laughs) holy crap y'all don't wake daddy unopened is 50 dollars that reminds me of like yeah whenever i i keep going back and forth i'll buy my n64 then i'll sell it then i'll buy another one like i did that in college um after i sold my original one from like middle school or elementary school and uh the games some of them are still so expensive oh yeah Especially you the think classics. they'd be like ten dollars, but they're run. not. Yeah. Fifty dollar. Don't wake daddy. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I just played a uh, Pitch Storm, which is a lot like. Uh, oh yeah. I was so gonna say I. Super Fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very fun concept. Yeah, it's super fun. These are all like just fun ones to play with your friends. I think you're you're dealt a card where you essentially have to like pitch a, a as writers you're pitching essentially to like execs yeah. and getting them again with your charisma. Yes. So if you're not a very um, if you're not able to win people over, I don't know th- these games no, but, can actually help. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and I think that 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 in of itself is what is so great about. Tabletop games, particularly tabletop role-playing games, because ultimately, if you're playing Dungeons & Dragons and you fail a role, it's teaching you how to cope with and adapt to failure in a very safe setting. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Because there's there's no long-term consequences for you, you know, missing when you swing your sword at an orc. All right, but if you, <laughs> you know miss a I mean? saving throw, your character's dead. Well, there is that. There, There is that. But you can roll a new character in yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, or they could use a resurrection spell on you. There's yeah. there's so many ways to, to creatively adapt to your failure, and that is a really important life lesson, yeah. I think. Yeah. But all my big ballers out there who are like, nah, not expensive enough. Yeah, definitely check out Warhammer, Warhammer 40K. <laughs> Take it. out a loan for the house. And then with that, you'll be able Take to buy the starter kit. Hey, if you have painted your miniatures, even if they're not from Warhammer, um, send them to me. I kind of want to mm. see them. I'm not like our friend Joe Starr. He has a whole setup in his house and he just like paints them. He, he posted on his Instagram and stuff, all the little dudes that he's painting. Um all the little dudes and dudettes yeah. that he's painting. It was more important for me when I was playing Dungeons and Dragons growing up to draw artwork of my oh, characters. Yeah. That's a big thing that's like just flooding the D&D subreddit yeah. is artwork of people's characters. Yeah. When Ify and I were at Hyper, at Hyper RPG, and I think someone probably did this for you too, mm-hmm. someone made miniatures of us. Yes, yes, we have them. The, the custom Hero Forge that have been yeah. turned into Heroclix figures. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but even that I was frightened by. I was like, I don't want it to paint me. I'm yeah. not good at it. Yeah. I don't have, I need to paint mine. Mine has um, a couple of, uh, because I'm well known uh, on the internet for my love of porgs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some little teeny miniature porgs that are like so on cute. my character's little hero click stand. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I was just, this is such a, we're definitely going to revisit this topic again because there's so much to cover. Oh, yeah. Obviously, um, we're going to have to do a D&D episode. I know. We're going to have to do a Warhammer episode. We're going to have, don't worry, y'all. 
this is just the, the basics. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And then you get into the deep stuff. That's what I like to think about with a lot of these is uh, we're covering the basics and then we can go further. Like for a Comic-Con one, we're yeah. definitely, we're going to do an E3 episode. Oh, yeah. And an Anime Expo episode, so. But yes, but definitely don't let that hinder you from telling us what you would like to see in the Warhammer apps. What do you want to talk about? Some personal gripes you might have with the game or, you know, the depth that you may be in because of the game, because we'd love talking about that on the game. Guys, if you didn't get it by now, Warhammer is expensive. All right, y'all. Emma, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me all over the internet, wherever Emma Fife's are sold, at my name. I'm at Emma Fife on Twitter and on Instagram. That is where I mostly am. Uh, also, be sure to, since we are talking about uh, role-playing games here, check out Pencils and Parsecs, our Star Wars role-playing game where we use the Edge of the Empire system on Hyper RPG every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. And uh, yeah, I'm doing lots of other stuff. You can find me hanging around the Schmodown a fair amount over on Collider. Uh, I uh, pop up every now and then on stuff at Screen Junkies. So, you know, yeah, I am a woman about the internet. About that business. Mm -hmm. Oh, and we have a new uh, anime show over on Hyper's YouTube channel called Anime Club where we are, it's basically we're treating it like a book club. So we're just picking anime series that we like and we're talking about them in chunks. So right now we're talking about Cowboy Bebop, which is fun. Super fun. Yeah. Um, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez, M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. You can catch me playing Don't Wake Daddy. I'm going to order it right now. <laughs> Ify, will you, Ify and Emma, will you guys come over and play it with me? Yeah, I will sure. definitely come over and play. I'm going to be the nostalgic 90s kid. What else did we have during this time? This, that, what's that, um, Mousetrap? Oh, yeah, Mousetrap. Trouble. trouble. Uh, oh, there was this great game, game called 13 Dead End Drive, where oh, you could yeah. just get killed by various objects in the house going, oh, yeah. like, coming out after you not in an enchanted way it would be like a chandelier falling kind yeah. of thing um gosh what else many many versions of clue oh, i yeah. played a lot of clue as a kid same, same. you can find me at iffy wadiway i-f-y-n-w-a-d-i-w-e on twitter and instagram and make sure you follow nerdificent on facebook twitter instagram on all those platforms and if you're really enjoying the podcast please give us a five-star review i've already laid down the rules of what you're going to get when we get certain amounts of reviews uh i'm gonna put that on paper so i don't forget but definitely definitely tweet at us what you'd like to hear what where'd you like us to zero in on in future episodes what you liked uh you can keep what you didn't like to yourself if you uh, but you know I love y'all. Thank y'all. Stay good. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.
Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give love and logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love and logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com.